Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I am Dustin Dubuque. I'm John Hanson. We're here with a special episode today. Uh, went over some good movies like we talked about in the last episode, but we got a couple pieces of movie news. Uh, that might be a little old because we're uh, recording this a little uh, little after, but uh, yeah, you'll be hearing this a week, week after later. We recorded it, yeah. But the couple things that came out today, so we'll talk about them now. Is I guess the couple things we can talk about. I kind of mentioned I tagged you in on a Facebook yesterday. Is Disney and Fox finally reached their big deal? Where now Disney owns like officially like sixty percent of everything right. in Hollywood now, and uh, so now they own. Family Guy and Simpsons and all that other stuff. So that'll be interesting to see what they do with all of this, all of this crazy stuff. Disney's going to pump so much money into it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, and they got that streaming service, and it's going to be nuts. So yeah, it'll be impossible to get away from. Uh, the couple other things, just because I want to know if you're interested, uh, Terminator is back with a direct sequel after T2. Yeah. And it's called Dark Fate. Is yeah. this is this in your wheelhouse? Is this interesting yeah. to you? Uh, James Cameron's going to be doing this one. Right. So that's exciting. The last couple Terminator films have not been very good. They've not. Um, so I'm happy to see Cameron come back and also kind of ignore the last couple films, too, and just have it take place after T2. But, yeah, when I was a kid, T2, man, that was the movie. Yeah. So good. Um. It was just a little after T2, so I, I didn't watch it till way later in life. It's still good, though. It's great. Oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. Did, what was the, didn't, there was a random sequel not too long ago, right? Well, there was Terminator Genesis was the last one, which was god-awful. Um, before what was that, the one before that? Was that the Salvation. one with the, that was the CGI Arnold in that? Yeah. Oh. Um, that was Terminator Salvation, which had uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, okay. Um, yes, Arnold was in it as a CG. I actually, I thought it looked fine, but, um, the movie just was, it was not good. No, the salvation was a little bland. And then, um, Genesis was just bad. I mean, it was, I, I didn't see it. It didn't look very good. Uh, <laughs> they turned John Connor into the villain in that one. Oh, did they really? It's, it's oh, bad. I mean, it's, it's like direct to video kind of quality. It's not good. I'm so so, yeah, it's good that Cameron is coming in and bringing it back to, you know, the roots. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the Genesis movie really looked, and I remember when I saw, like, the trailer for it, I even went, I'm like, that doesn't even look like a Terminator movie. They just used the name. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's a bunch of sci-fi nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought it was really dumb to turn John Connor into the bad guy. I just feel like there's always these, like, Studio executives that are like, what's a twist that no one will see coming? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a reason why we won't see that coming. It's because we don't want to see that. Because we don't want to see it. Yeah. Well, especially for a movie like that, if it is the quality you said it was, they knew. They, they were just, knew. yeah. So they they're like, you know what? I mean, like the first cut probably didn't even have that. And then like they tested it and they're like, ooh, this is horrible. Maybe we, maybe we should just go with it. Yeah, I hated that film. Okay. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to the new Terminator. Cameron's got a pretty good track record with me, so Yeah. No. Cameron doesn't even stuff that's bland is still fun. What's he done that was bland? Well, Avatar's bland. Yeah. But fun. 
It was still good though. Yeah. Right. So I yeah, I like I like post change camera stuff too. Um then the only other piece of thing is they announced today Bird Box is getting a sequel to <laughs> follow her continuous survival in this world. Sure. <laughs> uh, it doesn't surprise me, but wow. Wow. And I guess it's going full theater now too. Not gonna be Netflix. it's not gonna be Netflix. Bird Box 2 in theaters, and yeah. a lot of people will not be familiar with Bird Box. Right, because it, it, good for Bird Box for getting people talking for a week and a half. Mm-hmm. But since that week and a half was over, as one person, like, does anybody actually think about Bird Box? No. Talk about Bird Box at all? So when this eventually gets going in, what, a year or two, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, remember that? It made for it, some funny memes. It. It, it, it told a complete story. I don't know what more. I mean, we'll just see her, like, getting groceries, like, just living life, huh? Well, you'd assume that, the, I mean, you've got to think that the compound somehow gets destroyed or something, because why would you leave that <laughs> if it's the one place on Earth? It's Yeah, it's going to be some forced plot oh, to, yeah. to keep I, it going. From what I read, it's, it, there's a, it's based off the, there's a book about it. Like, it's not just, and I guess the author has a big role in this movie and has this whole plan, and I don't know. That's what I read quick. You almost got to do, like, a different character if you're going to do a sequel to that and do, you know, somebody else's experience during that time. Right. But if you're going to try and continue Sandra Bullock, which they likely will because she's a big star. Right. I'm, like, 100% not interested. I already didn't love the original, so, and I felt it told the whole story, so I don't need to hear anymore. It's not like it left you with some cliffhanger ending. Right. I mean, it, it, it literally ended. ended. It's yeah, like it you're, ended. You're, you're where you need to be. Yeah. So, she'll probably get a phone call. she got to go back out and help somebody else. Right, right. You thought he was dead. Right. Go get him. <laughs> now, instead of going downstream. Upstream. Upstream. <laughs> you think it's difficult just letting the water take you. <laughs> Little do you know right. that it's way more difficult to do it the other way. To get <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I read that today, and I was like, okay. Bird box two. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a blindfold on. So good luck. Right. Yeah. It is amazing that, you know, and it, honestly, without the internet and the way the videos and the memes went, too, that uh, um, the movie would even have been less famous. I mean... The internet really yeah. helped it. it. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like a lot of people really did respond to it. I mean, I think when I re- reviewed it, I did point out that you know it wasn't for me, but it seemed like people were enjoying it. You know, it's it's right there on Netflix, so it's easy to find. And overall, like we've said on here of the Netflix movies I've watched last year, it's probably one of the better ones. Not saying it's yeah, a good thing. Not saying a whole lot there, but, but it probably is. Probably one of the better ones. Sure. Um, kind of felt to me like a. A, a ripoff of A Quiet Place. Right. Kind of a wannabe Quiet Place. Right. Which is also getting a sequel. Yeah. So we're getting plenty of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Krasinski's going to direct that too, I believe. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. He was pretty heavily involved with the first one. I think he wrote it, directed, directed it, it, and yeah. starred in it. So yeah. he's not starting in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. But okay. So, we said last week that we were going to 
because we've had a few weeks of talking bad movies, which is not what we like to do. Bad movies are bad for a reason. Um, John and I were talking about what we could do for uh, an episode, so we decided to come up with, I believe, like 13 genres randomly um, of movies we like out of each one, and they're all pretty accessible and stuff, and we just wanted to talk. You know, kind of when I was doing it, it kind of goes back to our very first episode, so if you were a listener, to the very first one we went through, 100 movies that we both had seen, and just wanted to give people a quick gist of who we are as people and what we liked and uh, so we just went through 100 movies and talked about, you know, what we liked, didn't like, agreed and disagreed and stuff. So there might be some of the some of that, just maybe a little more detail here because we didn't we were really quick in the first one. Well, these will be these will be the ones that we like. Yeah, right. And they're going to be the ones that we're going to champion. And you know, some of them are probably, you know, the big name movies or movies you've seen, or maybe they're not movies you've seen in a long time, or who knows. Everybody also has blind spots all the time with movies. I was yeah. check- when I was doing this list, I was also thinking of like a few movies that I hadn't seen, and I was like, oh, it's amazing how I've not seen that. Yeah, but, but if you hear any on these lists that you have not seen, these are like the next movie you should see. Basically. Right, right. Or if you haven't seen it in a while, you go, oh yeah. These are the good ones. I should rewatch. Uh, you know, it's something like that. Did you do just one movie for each? Or did you uh, There's a couple where I had to go two movies. It just wasn't fair. I mean, if I had to pick one, I could, but I, I think I have more than one for like almost every single one of them. Just in case. Because mm-hmm. I figured most likely the conversation would deviate anyway. So, uh, you can start off. What do you got? Alright, what what category you want to Whatever. start? Whatever. Let you choose. Alright, we'll start with uh, action. Action, okay. Because okay. that's always... That's it's fun. Always, yeah, it's always a fun genre. Um, I got two for this one. Yeah. Um, one of my all-time favorite films, uh, 300. Okay. I love 300. I saw it in the theater... In, in IMAX. Nice. And uh, I love the, the battles. I love the story. And uh, in the theater in, in IMAX, when the Persian army comes uh, comes at the Spartans for the first time, and they've got, they're all lined up with their shields. Yeah. And they kind of collide. Man, that whole theater, like, rumbled. Did they? You know, it was awesome. Yeah. So... Uh, I, I've, I've seen that movie a few times. Actually, I think I saw that one twice in the theater. I think I did too. Which is very rare for me. Um, but I loved it. And uh, yeah. One of, yeah, that was one of the movies that people, everybody got behind. Like that year. Like, it well, didn't really matter. To, what's not to love? Right. I mean, it kind of has what you want. The story, it's it's a true story. I mean, it, they stylized a lot of it. Sure. But the, but the, the basic broad, premise of The there. Broad Strokes is actually based on a true story. Right. The Battle of Thermopylae and um, King Leonidas. And basically, uh, you know, they had this very small army of very skilled soldiers. And they were going against a massive army of people with very little skill. Right. Basically, the Persians, the Persians would go from region to region and basically say, look, there's more of us than there are of you. You can join us or we're going to kill all of you. And most people would say, fine, we'll join you then. So the, the Persians had this kind of huge ragtag army, but the Spartans said, no, we're not going to do that. Right. And they fought back. And, uh, what a, what a powerful story. Sure. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And great, great message too. standing up for what's right. I think it's, <laughs> Why do you laugh? I just think it's funny. I don't. I 
I don't think I go to 300 for a powerful story. I think I go oh, to 300 you're missing to watch some. Um, you're missing it. Then. I I, uh, I uh, think I uh, I just go to watch uh, some awesome, good-looking action and some good slow-motion destruction. I mean, I get the general story, but uh, I... I, I uh, it's a great story. The yeah. fact that it's a true story, this actually happened. It kind of happened. It happened. The broad strokes happened. Yeah. These guys did this. They stood up to these por- these Persians. Right. Um, what are you saying? It kind of happened. I mean, that's how it happened. It's yeah. not like there was an exact group. Well, of- in the movie, they got monsters and stuff. I mean, obviously, or, those are... That's not what I'm talking about. Those yeah. are representations of... Thank you, John. I got that. <laughs> yep. Thanks. I did not know that there was some giant, monster, giant monsters in Sparta. There was not. Uh, uh, good. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea. Well, I'm glad to educate you. <laughs> I would have what, never are you, what are you saying when you say this kind of happened? It's not like that was the exact story. Not 300 guys got together and King Leonidas died in this hail of arrows and such from the Persian War. I mean, I've I, I, taken ancient history courses and, 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 I mean, it's there. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. It was it was about 300 Spartans. They yeah. did team up with the Athenians, which is mentioned in the movie. Yeah, very lightly. That's a pretty big part. The Athenians had a huge role in the big fight with the Persians. But. Yeah. But I understand it though. You have you have an hour and forty minutes, and you you got to do what you got to do. And and King Leonidas, and this is also Gerard Butler's huge coming out party of this this movie. I mean, what what was he in before this? I don't think I'd seen him in anything. I don't think either. But it was amazing. This movie made him a mega star for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and, and they did an awesome job also in this movie of the marketing for it was great. I mean. Who wasn't yelling, this is Sparta, for everything, you know? I mean, it was awesome. Well, and that means something. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, when these guys said, this is Sparta, he was responding to the messenger who came and said, you know, you're going to join us. And he said, no. No, right. He said, we're Sparta. We're going to, you know, we're going to fight you. Yeah. And it, it, it meant something. Yeah. I, I think it's a very meaningful film. And I think <laughs> if all you got out of it was uh, some action scenes, you missed out, man. Watch mm-hmm. it again. It's fine. I've seen it. Yeah. I, I just don't, I just don't have a... Emotional connection, but it's good though. I love it. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you, and you're still fighting with me. Doesn't even make sense. I think you're not. I'm you're, literally you're not agreeing, agreeing with me as much as I want you to. <laughs> this is one of the greatest action films of all time. I right, like your, it's good. It's got. It is good. I don't. Know that I. It is good. I'm literally telling you what you want to hear, but it's not good enough. All right. What's this your is this one of the best. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other one that I had to put on the list is, of course, I've, I've talked about it repeatedly on the podcast already. Is Mission Possible Fallout? I mean. Come on, the action scenes in that film, groundbreaking. Sure. Tom Cruise jumping out of a airplane uh, from you know <laughs> the upper part of the atmosphere, whatever they call it, a halo jump, right. high altitude, whatever it is, high altitude, low, sure, something, something, so, high altitude, low open. Science. I think it's high altitude, low open because they open their parachute low to the ground. Yeah, it's a- it's a military move that allows them to get into a country without being detected. They're flying up so high that the enemy can't detect the planes, and they open the chute so low to the ground that no one on the ground sees them. Sees that, right. So he actually did that for real for this movie. In fact, he did it about 100 times so they could yep. get all the different camera angles they wanted. But not just that sequence. I mean, all all the action sequences, the motorcycle riding, the jumping the from building to building. The sequence was great. All of it was so good. I mean, it's, it's so intense because they actually filmed all of it, and it looks real because it is real. Yeah. So you're edge of your seat the whole time right oh my goodness yeah well and it like i know we've, we talked about it in the episode which you can find uh in our uh, episode list and in archives and such um 
is it is nice to watch, we've said this before, to watch Tom Cruise do, what, probably 70% of the stunts here? You know? I mean, even, like, the smallest thing of, there's that part in the movie where he, after they do the building jump, and he's running across the what looks like the longest building of all time, and they show the whole sequence of him running. And it, I mean, I was exhausted watching it, but just knowing the fact that Tom Cruise, which it was him, yeah. ran this hundreds of yards across the top of this building as fast as he could, more than once. I'm sure it wasn't one take. I mean, it's just like those little things are just like good, good for good for good for this movie. Good yeah, I mean, if, if you're a fan of action films at all, you have to see this film. It you is, really do. It is. One of the greatest, um, just cutting edge, really good stuff. Yeah. All right, so mine are, so I went a little uh, action adventure because that's more or less my thing. Um, so I think I had to choose, I had to choose one. And uh, I, I was like, I, I think I have to go with an Indiana Jones because I just love the action and stuff in those. And that's why I love The Last Crusade because it's full of action, which is why people don't like it because it's less Indiana Jones than the other two. But... I love every little scene in that. I love the ending going through the cave and, you know, where he has to save, uh, he's trying to find the a Holy Grail to save Sean Connery, his dad. And he has to duck the blades and walk through the, walk on the tiles so they don't break and find the bridge. But then there's the great scene in the middle. The action scene is when he's uh, fighting the, what, the Nazis and he's up on the uh, tank and he's fighting like, the, you know, the head, the head Nazi or whatever you would want to call it. And there's, it, it's just so good because, you know, he gets his head held out and they're like, oh, it's going to be crushed on the rock. And he pulls in and he holds the guy's face to the, to the part of the, what do you even call it on the tank, the tread or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just holds his face on that. I'm like, that's so good. Um, and then there's the other scene where him and his dad are in the, in the motorcycle. And there's the couple Nazis kind of follow him in the motorcycle. I love the part where he takes the, which is ludicrous, but uh, he takes the pole with the flag on it, sticks it in the spokes. <laughs> the motorcycle shoots like 40 feet in the air and just destroys the guy. I'm like, it's ridiculous, but I'm sure having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think that's like my favorite, like overall action adventure. Like it's action adventure more or less because it's Indiana Jones. Um, I love the trilogy in general, um, but that's the one because it has uh, three or four really solid set pieces in it. Um, and then the other one we were talking about for my second one, we were talking about it yesterday off mic was Aliens, the second one, because that plays the like a, that, that plays like such an action movie. Like, yeah. I mean, there's just so much going on. Um, you know, I mean, it ends with uh, Ripley in like a, me- a mech suit uh, fighting off the alien at the end. And, you know, you have Bill Paxton and the, the band of just guys that had to find some guns and, it, it, it's just the first one's so so much slower and so much of a horror movie where this one has the elements of a horror movie but it's just it's uh it's chaos like all the time which is why i love it um but yeah so those would be the two i like um i thought about going with some like 80s action or something but i will stick with Indiana jones instead they just don't they just don't do it for me but okay what's what's next i'll let you pick another one uh how about thriller thriller okay um, so I went with a film, this is a film that I, I'm always recommending to people, and I feel like a lot of people have not seen it, it's The Game with Michael Douglas. Oh wow, yeah, it's been a while. Have you, you've seen it? Uh, it's, yeah, it's been high school. Yeah. It's good. Uh, it came out in the 90s. Yeah. Um, it's a David Fincher film, uh, Michael Douglas and Sean Penn, 
And uh, basically the premise is Sh Sean Penn is Michael, du Michael Douglas is this, he's, he's very wealthy. He's very successful. I think he runs a business, you know, um, Sean Penn is kind of his, his brother who hasn't, <coughs> hasn't really done well in life shows up on Michael Douglas's birthday, gives him a card. And in the card, it, it's like, uh, it's, it, it's, it tells him to go to this facility for his gift. It's, he's going to be participating in some game. So he goes down there and they do a bunch of medical tests on Michael Douglas to make sure he's fit for the game. And they tell him that he is in fact not fit for the game. So he leaves and he thinks that's the end of it. Wow. Great gift. Thanks brother. But all these weird things start happening. Uh, he comes home. There's like this clown doll in his driveway. Um, I think that if I remember right, like the TV starts speaking to him. All these weird. I was gonna say that's something I remember. Yeah, is the TV part. Yeah, uh, all these really, really odd things. And I, I love movies that can really go weird on you. With the with the caveat that at the end it all kind of makes sense and comes together. Some movies will go weird, and then that's it. And roll credits, and you're like, well, that was dumb. But that, sure. this is a movie that'll take you to really weird places. But when it comes together at the end, and I won't spoil it, but when it comes together at the end, I think it's brilliant. I think it's just okay. brilliantly crafted. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, they really they really take the Michael Douglas character on quite this roller coaster ride. But when it comes together at the end, it, it is brilliant. I mean, you, you're not going to guess how it comes together. You yeah, might, and I don't even remember because it's, it's been that long. You should rewatch it. I really should. You might think to yourself, I think I know how it's going to end. Yeah. No, sure. you will not guess how it ends. Sure. It's so clever, so well crafted, and meaningful. That's what I love, too. Yeah. So, um, check out the game. The game. Michael Douglas, David Fincher. Got it. Very good. That's good. I should re uh, I'm going to rewatch it. That's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. Um, my thriller, I think, I, I can't not do it. It's uh, another one from the 90s. Uh, Seven. Yeah. I love Seven. It was like, I think it was like it's one another, of the, It's another David Fincher it's another, I was just going to say, I, you just just took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, it's another David Fincher movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, he... Uh, I remember I watched this movie because I have a sister who's about 10 years older than me. So pretty much John's age. And that was how I watched movies when I was young that were, I wasn't probably supposed to watch. And I remember I was probably eight, nine years old. And my sister comes home with two movies. It was scream and seven. I watched them both. Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid and I, I remember as a kid, I was like, I love this, whatever this is. I mean, obviously I was probably transfixed on the kind of the gory or dirtier parts of the movie. But now that I've rewatched it multiple times, it is just, you know, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, they're both uh, detectives. Freeman's on his way out. Pitt's the new detective, and uh, there's a guy presumably going around and uh, killing people based off the seven deadly sins. And it's pretty much just them trying to find the guy. And I think there's that great scene in it where they chase him down and they're trying to get a hold of him, and then it's just all the other craziness. And then you add in what is now a pretty iconic ending, which has a, you know, the what's in the box quote, which is pretty famous of movies now. Mm -hmm. Um, and just a brutal ending. And I love the ending. I think mean, most people have seen it, but I won't say it, but the, the choice that Brad Pitt has to make is so good. Yeah. And you know, he kind of, even though it's technically the wrong choice, it's not at the same time, which is why I love that, you know, 
Because, like, you know if he does the choice he does, the, technically the killer, Kevin Spacey, is, is he's doing what he wants him to do. And Morgan Freeman has the big, like, talk with him. Like, he can't do it. I think that's a great, just a great part. And the fact that Kevin Spacey could, or the, David Fincher created this character that was only in the last, what, 20 minutes of the movie? And he, becomes, For the most part. pretty much yeah. becomes an iconic uh, villain. By mm-hmm. just kind of saying a few words in the back of a car and well, finishing up the craziness. Kevin Kevin Spacey is a, a really good actor. Yeah, I mean it's 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 too bad he raped those people, but <laughs> yeah. So his uh, work on film, his work on film pre two thousand fifteen was great. very good. Uh, you don't have to. You'll never see him again. No, but uh, <laughs> uh, so it's a little weird, but still, it's so good. And I, I, I like I, I mean John and I both like David Fincher, and then uh, you know Brad Pitt was still pretty. Pretty new and up and coming at the time. I mean, he was famous, he's but kind of still right, getting yeah, there. He's at his peak, you know. And Morgan Freeman was at that point. Morgan Freeman, he's always just been legendary. Freeman, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's just so much going on, and you know, it's you know, and it's another movie that's brutal and gory and and you know, semi-violent without being too bad. Like it, it's all necessary to the film. So that's a that's my thriller recommendation. I couldn't say The Shining. That's just too easy. Well, I would call the, shine, the Shining more of like a horror. Horror thriller. I, I kind of put it in both. All right. We didn't do horror, did we? No, I was actually just writing that down right now. Interesting. Because I noticed it wasn't on the list. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, we, we could do this. We'll do this again probably sometime in the future. All right, next one. I'll let you just keep picking. Crime drama. Crime drama, Okay. I bet you we can probably, I bet you, I, this is one of them ones where I did it, and I'm like, John and I might, might fall on the same path, pathway here. Well, I mean, for sure, for sure, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I, 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 I had Reservoir Dogs on mine. Yeah. And then also for me, Heat. Heat. Yeah. Heat's yeah. good. I think, for me, I, I think Heat is probably the greatest crime drama. It's, um, I love a good heist film, and that's what, that's what that one is. It's you know, it's about this group of guys that's going to rob this this bank. But I love how they really get into the characters and who they are and how their lives are affected. Um, you know, outside of all the hype, the the heist itself. Um, you know, they really get into Al Pacino's character. He's the police officer that's trying to um, you know, that's trying to, to catch them, and they get into De Niro's character and how you know he's not really able to keep relationships because he has to always run from the police and this and that. He's always moving. Um, and there's just a great scene in that film. One of the all time, in my opinion, great scenes of any movie where Al Pacino, he, he basically knows De Niro is, is trying to rob this place, but he doesn't have enough evidence yet to, to, to bust him, you know, but, uh, he pulls him over. And he, and he walks up to the car and he just says, you want to get a cup of coffee? So they go to this diner and they're sitting there, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, the cop and the criminal. And they have this wonderful scene where they, they talk to each other about what they do. What, what, yeah, yeah. And it's just so brilliant. It is. You, you, it's you, great. You never see that in these kind of films. Yeah. I just, I love so much about that film. The, the action scenes are incredible. The shootouts, yeah. they're long, 
I was just gonna say they're all they're long. Yeah, and they feel real. Yeah, I mean they, they just do. it feels like you're watching a shootout. It's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel choreographed. It just it feels, you know, it feels real, and just a really great film. Yeah, it's really good. I totally. Yep, I agree. Yeah, mine was Reservoir Dogs. That's the and it, the only reason why I always say it before Pulp Fiction it was the I saw it first. So it just connected with me. It was like the first, I remember, I literally remember the first time I watched it. I was, uh, I was 16 in my, uh, and I was, that's when I first started like really getting into movies and I, uh, laid in my bedroom and put it on. And I, I think 10 minutes into the movie, my mom walks in, she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, it's Reservoir Dogs. She goes, oh, pull up a chair and just watched it with me. Cause she's like, this is a good movie. I haven't seen in a long time. So we just sat there and just watched it in my bedroom. Cause she's like, oh, it's good. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it is, when you rewatch it now, it, though, probably the biggest disappointment of it is so fast. Like, have you watched it recently? It's been a few years. Yeah. I watched it probably about a year ago, and uh, I still love it. But it's 90 minutes. And, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's it's almost like it takes you 75 minutes to get to the end, and the end is like, bam, 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 end of movie. And it's crazy how fast, you know, now, now Tarantino's known for, you know, two hours and 45 minutes of movie. But what he champ hacks in these uh, six six robbers, right? I think there's six of them. Something like that. Yeah, and they get into this warehouse, and they're trying to figure out what to do, and it's kind of giving you the perspective of each one in this like, uh, robbery, you know, and um, it just kind of shows what's, you know, it's just it's good, and everybody probably knows Reservoir Dogs, but if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, rewatch it, get yourself pre- re-ready for Quentin Tarantino to come back and... Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's great. It's got some other. It's got a lot of good dialogue scenes in it too. It does. Um, I mean, of course, that's Tarantino's trademark is great dialogue. Yeah. Um, that scene where there's there's two that stand out in my mind, both involving Steve Buscemi. I was just gonna. <laughs> Who'd have thought? He's great. In He's this. so great. He plays Mr. Pink, and there's a great scene where they're they're talk the the guy is giving everybody what their code names are going to be, so they don't use their real names yes. on the job because it's, it's a great scene. If anybody gets caught, then they can't. They can't rat on anybody else because yeah. they've all got code names and they're all different colors. Steve Buscemi is given the name Mr. Pink, and he's like, "Why do I got to be Mr. Pink?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "He's like, I'll just, I'll be something else. I'll be Mr. Uh, Mr. Black." Or whatever. <laughs> the guy's like, "You can't be Mr. Black. I got a Mr. Black on a different job. You're Mr. Pink." <laughs> <laughs> That's Tim Roth, right? Isn't he the head of it? Is that no. Is, or who, which one is the head? Of, uh... I don't know his name, but oh, okay. he, he was an older guy, bald guy. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Tim Roth is Tim Mr. Ross Orange. Is Mr. Orange, yeah. yeah. And then Michael Madsen's Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other great scene, of course, is uh, in the diner where um, Steve Buscemi doesn't want to leave a tip because he feels obligated. That's right. He doesn't like that. Yeah, he doesn't like to leave, leave a tip. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Buscemi's great. Well, and the fact that, and the ending with Buscemi, too, is is great. Like, I, I, the, the way it concludes and all that, you know, the pretty, uh, the, the shootout scene is good, but just the way that you see all what's going on and how it comes out, and then Buscemi's character at the end of what he, how he ends the movie is kind of spectacular, and that's why I, I love it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's funny that all this kind of, all this went down, and this one guy kind of just was like, all right, I'm out of here, peace, and that's about it. So yeah, it's good. So those are two really good choices. Okay. What's you name another category? Um, let's do, let's do a western. Sure. Sure. I'll let you can start. I think sure. 
I had um, two options, one more of a classic, one more of a modern. Uh, for the classic, I would go with Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, good one. Uh, just a great cast, great great classic Western. I mean, Sergio Leone is kind of the, I think, the king of the Western. He did, like, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and um, Fistful of Dollars, and, you know, and then this one, which I, I really enjoy this one. It's just a great cast, good classic. Yeah. Good. good classic western. Yeah. yeah. One of the good classic westerns. Beautiful scenery. Of course, any western always does. But, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good classic. Like, there's some that are... Yeah. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly still holds up pretty well. Yeah, I like The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, but for some reason, I just always really enjoyed Once Upon a Time in the West. It just really... I, re I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a better full movie. Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, it literally is your waiting for the last five minutes. I mean, that's what you want. They build up the last five minutes so hard that when the the three you know the three characters are all that's what you want. You're like, this is it. Mm -hmm. You know, where uh, I think once upon a time less is a better. Just what's the other? What was your backup? Your quick backup? Uh, Django. Django. I figured. Django Django. Yeah, we talked about it last week. My backup was Hateful Eight. I assumed yours would be Django. Yeah. Um, my western is uh, because again, it, you're just like you. It goes off the cast as Tombstone. I love Tombstone, and I think it's because I love the cast in it. Um, I mean, I picked Aliens already. I'm a huge Bill Paxton fan. Half the reason why my son's name's Paxton is because of that. Um, add in Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer. I'm surprised you didn't name him Oscar Isaac. <laughs> uh, I don't like the name Oscar. I couldn't talk about it all the time. I don't like the name Isaac either, so he just was done. I should make that his middle name next time. Next kid, I'll do a double middle name. Just blank, Oscar Isaac blank. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know, it, it, it falls along the same lines and true story. I, I, I don't want to talk much about it because these are, that's a pretty famous movie, but, um, I love it. I, I love it practically just for, uh, the actors and I think Val Kilmer is great in it too. Some people don't like Tombstone. Tombstone was, um, but I love it. Tombstone was the one where they were, um, it was basically where, where law was coming to the West, right? Yeah. I think that's why I like it. It's not that it's a bad movie to me. I just, to me, when I watch a Western, I want to be in the West. I want to be in that lawless land. Oh. Well, that's what it still is, but they, but it was from the perspective of the law. It's, it's going yeah, against the, it's the guy cleaning the West. Yeah. Up and it's fine. But, yeah. Oh, and it has the, you know, a lot of people wanted it for the, you know, the, the shootout and, yes. but, and Val, but Val Kilmer and it's, I mean, he's overacting like crazy, but it's still, it's still fun. So a little, Little trivia: That movie has the line, "I'll be your Huckleberry," right? Yeah, you know that that's actually incorrect. What he actually said was, "I'll be your Hucklebearer." Um, a huckle is the handle on the end of a casket. Okay. And the bearer is the guy is, who oh, is the casket. casket. So he was threatening the guy. Interesting. But a lot of people mis misquote that as huh. "I'll be your Huckleberry." Huckleberry. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't know that. Um. Yeah. So that's Western Square. Um, let's do, uh, let's do another one that's probably, uh, shorter. Uh, let's do fantasy. I'm interested to hear what your fantasy choice is. Uh, I had to go with The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Um, such a good story. Really meaningful. Really enjoyed that. The whole trilogy, but if I had to pick one of the three, the first one. Oh, by far. Yeah. I think the first one's good. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was definitely the one I liked the best of the three. Yeah. I thought, um... Yeah, Hobbit's good. Um, 
you know, I that's where I could throw Pan's Labyrinth in, but I told myself I wouldn't hit Pan's Labyrinth in this. Uh, so my fantasy was uh, Princess Bride, because I always love Princess Bride. That's good. A it's a good humor in that one. It is. It, it, it talk about a quotable movie yeah. right there, man. That movie's quotes still hold up. I watch it probably still every two years. Like, well, sometimes in the, in the mood, again, you know, you watch so much stuff that's action, like, darker, violent, or something. It's so nice to just put on something that's just easy, breezy, childish, ridiculous. One of my favorite lines. I think one of my favorite lines was when Billy Crystal says, have fun storming the castle. (laughs) (laughs) Or I love the line uh, later when they're looking for the cloak and uh, they have Andre the Giant uh, and uh, he's like, oh, we need the cloak. of He goes, oh, right here. He just pulls it out of his shirt. It's like, why does he have that? It doesn't make any sense. And they've been like doing it for like 10 minutes and you're just like, okay. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's such a good light movie. And uh, it's, I'm, it's amazing how popular it still is. The scene too, where, uh, uh, what's, what's the, what's the main guy played by Carrie Elves? What's his name? Oh yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. If that anyway, he, uh, he poisons, he poisons one of the two drinks and they're going to drink. And the guy's trying to deduce yeah. which drink must be the poison. Such one. a great He's scene. just talking out loud, trying to deduce yeah. which one is poisoned. Yeah. And, and he goes and he just gets higher in volume. He's like he's like, But you were telling me to do this one. So that's all what I'm gonna do. And he takes it, he just fine grabs it, drinks it, and he starts laughing, keels over. <laughs> it's so good. So yeah. <laughs> and see, that's one of the movies that just brings a smile to your face. Yeah, it, it definitely had some good parts. It's it pretty funny. It's good. Uh, since we're laughing, let's just go right to comedy. Groundhog Day. Oh, who'd have thought? I funny. didn't even put Pan's Labyrinth on here. <laughs> I, I should have been funnier seen. than Groundhog Day. Sure, that's so funny. Bill right. Murray, just Bill Murray at his best, just doing what Bill Murray does. Okay, you got to say another one. That's not fair. Why? But, come on, because just because I know you love Groundhog Day, and our listeners know you love Groundhog Day. So what's another one? All right, you do yours, and I'll think okay, I'll one. let you come up with one. Um, I had a few for this one. Um. I was trying to think, like, what's the movie I laughed the hardest at and uh, bore at? This is such an easy one to go with, but the laughter I hit it had in the theater in that movie where I was pretty much on the ground between the seats uh, was great. And I'm still a huge Wayne's World fan. I still love Wayne's World. I think it's hilarious. It's another movie, super quotable. And, uh, I mean, there's so many movies. Comedy's so broad. I mean, even, you know, you can do Dumb and Dumber. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, both I love. I wrote Hot Fuzz down just because it's not say Shaun of the Dead. Um, but yeah, so those are just my couple. Nothing too, nothing too crazy. But you don't have to come up with. Yeah, them. I mean, we'll let you have. Well, there's a down. lot of there's a lot of good ones out there. I mean, um, Happy Gilmore. I don't know. That's I mean, we're gonna yeah, Happy Gilmore's still so funny. Yeah. That mini putt part, man, where he takes that clown's head off because he can't play mini golf. I was just dying. Out. The Naked Gun trilogy, the whole trilogy. Oh yeah, Naked Gun's good. Everybody loves that. Oh, I got one for you. Swingers. Swingers. There you That's, go. That's uh, John Favreau. Yeah. And Vince Vaughn in pretty much their their breakout roles. Um, John Favreau wrote this screenplay. It's about these two guys that go to Las Vegas and basically to get away. They're from Los Angeles. They want to get away and. Um, Fabro had, I think, just ended a relationship, so he's kind of bummed out. And his 
Buddy Vitton wants to cheer him up, take him out, show him a good time. So they're going to go to Vegas, have a good time. And it is so funny. That, honestly, probably one of my all-time favorite comedies. When, when, I, when I was living in Los Angeles, I went around to some of the locations where they filmed it and took pictures, you know, cause it just because just I was such a big fan of the film. Wow. Yeah, it, it's so good. It's so funny. Yeah, you know, another one I had was Revenge of the Nerds. That's good. I love it. I mean, minus the rape scene in it, but you know, now that we <laughs> look back on it, it's fine. But yeah, it's funny. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's still good. Um, well, then we'll just stick with that romantic comedy. I didn't come up with anything. You didn't have a <laughs> single romantic comedy. I I'm not really big on romantic comedies. Um, if I if I was gonna put one, honestly, I think the only thing I could come up with was uh, Don John, which I just saw recently. Oh, I liked it. That's crazy. Um, to me, I don't know. I. I really like that. Uh, then I'll throw mine out there. Uh, was did you watch Friends with Benefits with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis? No. Oh well, then, then yeah, it's it's really funny. It's really good. I I Some wanted to are put really likable. I wanted to put Groundhog Day as my romantic comedy as well. Doesn't work. <laughs> Does not work. Uh, but Friends with Benefits is great. Uh, it's you know it kind of was that first romantic let movie. Me, where I haven't seen it, but let me guess. They're friends with benefits, but. They end up falling in love and being more than friends. You know, I'm trying to think if that's the one where they don't fall in love at the end. I don't think they do, actually. They stay friends, but I don't think they actually fall in love at the end. Yeah. So what's the point of the movie? It's because it's just good. It's about friends with benefits. Yeah, it's funny. It's really light and fun. What's it, the funny? Tell me one funny part. What's the funniest part? What's the funniest part? It, it, their original time of trying to, because they are friends, of uh, just pretty much trying to have sex with one another is pretty funny. Because they're, it's really awkward to them that they're doing it, and uh, they just run into some random problems trying to do it, and why it's so weird. Because they kind of sit on the couch and realize, like, okay, maybe we should just do it, and then they start doing it, and they're like, maybe, maybe this is a horrible idea, which I'm sure happens to a lot of people. You ever see uh, Seinfeld? Uh, no, I don't watch Seinfeld. <laughs> they did an episode like that where, yeah. where uh, Elaine and Jerry they decided that. Uh, they might try a relationship. They've been friends. Mm. And they wanted to create a list of rules to help make it work. And that's a pretty funny episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just pretty similar. I think they even do the same thing here, that they make rules of how, how it's supposed to go. And, you know, it was... Sounds like they're ripping off Seinfeld. Probably. I'm not saying there's anything original about this. <laughs> um, but, you know, is that a good time to... You know, Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis are both... You know, charismatic, good-looking people, so that helps. But it, 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 it is nice. It just, it to me, I just, I just had a good time once watching it. So that was the one that always sticks in my sticks in my head. Timberlake can be pretty funny. I've seen him do like when he was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. He did a bunch of stuff with uh, Jimmy Fallon. And this was during that time. I remember a couple of years where he was just everywhere. This was this was one of the movies that came out then. Uh, that's it's good. But most of them, I agree with you. Uh, they're they're just not for us. Um. So let's do uh, biopics. Do a biopic. Yeah, I went with the Doors. Oh yeah, the Doors. That's uh, an old Oliver Stone film from the '80s, and they had all the the Doors music in there. Great music, um, great film. I love the way the film was put together. It's some of the sequences are almost like a little bit surreal at times, and. Um, kind of stylized and I enjoyed that but uh but Jim Morrison or Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison I mean he looks so much like him 
and sounded like him too. He sang some of the music in that in that film. Yeah, one of the way the way he got the role. One of the things he did is he recorded he he recorded himself singing one of the Doors songs, and he played it for Oliver Stone, and he played an actual Doors recording for Oliver Stone, and he asked him to guess which one was which. Oh, really? Oh, that's good. And Oliver Oliver Stone said, "I think it's this one." You know. Uh, turned out they were both by Val Kilmer. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that's how that's a spot on he was. He was he was really good. That's, that yeah, he is good. That's a good movie. Yeah. It, you know, we're so funny sometimes. You know, we did the we did the seventh thing, uh my biopic was JFK, so we were both on the Oliver Stone thing. Yeah, JFK I I enjoyed it. You know, for a movie that's like three hours and like twenty minutes long, mm-hmm. I rewatched it about a year ago. I'd seen it once before that and I was like Started it in the night. I'm like, I'm never going to watch this whole thing tonight. I'm going to split it up. I blasted through the entire thing. And, I, and it made me realize, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of forgot how good this was. And, and how the editing in it. And Oliver Stone's known for editing his movies really well. And Doors, is, Doors is one of them. Uh, but the way it's edited and how fast it moves and how interesting it is. And following Kevin Costner is so good that... Even at three hours, I never, I never feel uninterested in it. Um, so it's just fun. It's funny that we both picked an Oliver Stone movie. But. Yeah, I feel like Oliver Stone gets really heavily criticized when he makes new movies. He does. They really scrutinize his films and pick them apart. They do. I don't know why that is. I don't know. He, well, so Hollywood, Poli- political reasons. I think. Hollywood's really liberal, and Oliver Stone's really conservative. I would think that that's probably a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I right, just finished graphics. What's no, next? No, 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 no. I mean, I think he's a talented filmmaker. For sure, and some of the films he's done, maybe uh, we have drama. That drama interested me. Drama is a huge I think category. He's a hard to, yeah. I agree. It's hard to narrow down. I did like. Not for me. Really? I got one very distinct. I mean, I have a few, but there's a lot I like. So it was like I did one that was recent and one that was older. That was kind of how I divvied it out. So I had to do two. Well, what's your one then? I need to know the one. For me, this is not only one of the best dramas. Um, it's possibly the greatest movie of all time. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Sure. No one's going to argue with me on that one. No. Uh, I love that film. Um, just phenomenal. Great story. Great characters. Uh, really tugs at your heartstrings. And uh, very effective film. I've always loved that film. Yeah, it was funny. I was uh, When I was in a hotel um, recently, they had like a Paramount Pictures channel. And they had, and Shawshank was on, so of course I had to stop and watch it. And mm-hmm. I, I caught it like maybe last hour, which of course on TV is like two hours long. And uh, they repeated it right after, so of course I'm like, I don't to watch the first half. Even sure. I didn't need to. It's the first time I've seen it in a few few years, but yeah, yeah, it's like it's one of the few movies that's universally <coughs> loved by like everyone. I don't know yeah. anybody who doesn't think Shawshank's not just spectacular and fun. And right. Really, and, and man, and you know when you watch when I when I watch it's just so funny because I just watch it, um, like without watching the first lead up, and it just hits you with the ending. You know, third of the movie, mm-hmm. it's even more intense. You're like, oh, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here, and I forgot how long the uh, the ending really is from like the time he escapes to the finale. You kind of forget how much there's in there. So good, yeah. I think it's actually better than the book. You know, the the book was just a short story, and they elaborated on it when they made the movie. Sure. And I think I think I've actually read I've read the book, and um, 
I think the, the movie's actually better in this case. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't think anybody's going to go against doing that. Yeah, you know, the one that kind of came off my mind was uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't love it. You don't love it? I love it. You know, I, I, I didn't see it until pretty late in life, like only a few years ago. It was one of the movies I just never seen. And I, I, I decided to go through a Jack Nicholson phase, and I watched so much stuff from like the 70s and 80s, and um, I just never seen it. And then finally I watched it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I kind of, I love the coo- the craziness of it, and the, just how kooky it is. And I actually cared about everything that was going on, even though Jack Nicholson's kind of a slime ball that's faking uh, his mental disorder to he's stuck in this mental institution type thing and everything else is it's, it's just to me something really good but that's the one movie that was like old school that i thought of i guess and then uh the new school one that i liked a lot um was fruitvale station did you ever see that came out about five uh, michael b jordan no i didn't see yeah, that. yeah it's it was like kind of, kind of his michael b jordan's big coming out movie um, i think it came out in 2013 and it's like the day in the life of this gentleman in Oakland. This was kind of before the big, like, two or three years we've had of people taking their cell phones out and recording, you know, cops and um, anybody, I guess, white, black people, it doesn't matter. And uh, this is kind of the first one that made national news of a cop shooting a unarmed black man on the ground for accidentally, I think. And I think even the video showed, I don't think it was intentional. Um, yeah, I believe, um, I think I remember this story, and yeah. the officer said he, he was trying to use his taser. Taser, right. He, um, the, the guy that was shot was not cooperating. Yeah, correct. It was pretty chaotic in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and I get it. Um, but it, it's kind of the day in the life of him, like what led up to it, and it's just pretty much the lead up of what happened that day. There's a couple parts that are a little heavy-handed in the beginning, um, but, uh, it's really good, and Michael B. Jordan's really good in it. And the ending is intense. I mean, it's kind of one of them things that it's a bad situation that just got worse. You know, did anybody in the situation deserve to be shot? No. It's obvious of that. You know, it just didn't need to be. And when you when you watch it, and then they show the real footage at the end, you know, you do kind of realize that he was already on the ground and handcuffed, held down by four officers. Like, it's not like he was up and running. He was already subdued completely. And, you know, obviously the depiction in the movie and the real footage, you do kind of go, there's obviously an accident here, but still a bad accident because he ended up dying. Um, and uh, I remember I watched it the first time and that was the first time I really remember, like, Michael B. Jordan, like, loving him. Um, Ryan Coogler uh, did this, the one who did Creed, kind of has done other Michael B. Jordan stuff. Um, but then I... Thought it was really good. I think I saw it in the theater, and then I showed my wife, and she pretty much followed the last fifteen minutes. And I really was like, "Wow, this is pretty good." Um, it's short and quick, but it's an intense story, and that's probably the best uh, drama in the last few years that I can recall. So that's the other one that just popped into my mind. But I suggest everybody watch it. It's it's not the most uplifting thing, but it's really good. And if you want to see uh, Michael B. Jordan like, right at the beginning, that's that's good. So those are my two. That I came up with. I'm sure that list would change probably any other time. You ever see Awakenings? We talked about Robert De Niro no. earlier. Um, that's another really good one, too. Okay. He plays a guy that was in a coma for much of his life. Okay. He, 
he comes out of the coma. He's a, he's like a he's a grown man, but he's still kind of childlike because you know he, he was I think pretty young when he went into the coma. Okay, interesting. When did that? Be? Oh, probably the nineties. Okay. Yeah. Huh. No, really good, really good performance really? from uh, De Niro, and uh, kind of another emotional kind of story. Sure, so. interesting. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's drama. Uh, pretty big one there. And again, if some for some reason you're listening to this and you've never seen Shawshank, uh, you should probably just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we should just we'll we'll change it up. We'll go to sports. I'm excited to kind of talk about sports movies here. Yeah. For me, there's always been one sports film that really stands out from all the others, and it's because of the fact that I think most sports films, or certainly a majority of them, follow the same formula of an underdog story that succeeds in the end. First. But the one that I love that always kind of surprised me was the first Rocky. Okay. Um, it's He doesn't actually succeed in the end. He doesn't win. And, but there's a good message there that he has a personal victory that sometimes winning isn't always about, you know, being the champion itself. You know, it's, it, it's about those personal victories. And, uh, I thought Rocky was a great story. It really surprised me. Um, you know, it's, a basically it's, you know, it's this guy from the streets who gets an opportunity to box the champion and everyone counts him out. No one thinks he has a chance and he doesn't beat him, but he lasts all I think 10 rounds yep. or whatever it was. And, you know, for him, that was a personal victory. He didn't get knocked out. He went 10 rounds with the champion, you know, that's, I think it was just a really solid, great story. Yeah. And I kind of have, I always harken Rocky to like, uh, Oh, I just had the franchise in my head. Oh, die hard. You know, mm-hmm. like the first one, that's why you like Rocky is he is an underdog who doesn't succeed. And then the rest of the franchise kind of takes him into like the champion circle. And he's this great. And everybody always remembers him as, like the greatest fictional boxer, probably as famous as the top five boxers ever. Um, and then it kind of goes back. Did you see the the one what, ten years ago that Rocky Balboa, where he's the old guy who fights the young um, I champ? Believe, I believe I saw it. It was similar story. I, it was just yeah. set differently. He was yeah. he was old, and they were like, "Can he do it?" And he mostly I haven't liked any of them except for like the first three. Yeah, I, the first three by far, and and the third one is hokey. And goofy, but it's fun. I like the third. I like the third one too. That's Mr. T just Mr. T in it up the whole time, but it's fun. Uh, yeah, four and five, and then the bubble. I thought it was okay. Um, it, it was the they, same they've story. Just, they've just been milking that franchise for a long time. Right? Yeah, but people are bought and sold into the Creed franchise right now, man. Mm-hmm. It's making a lot of money. And I watched the first one, and I, I don't know, it's fine. First I, Creed. Yeah, I didn't finish it. Didn't really? Like, didn't like it. It was fine. I, people were I, maybe I went in with high expectations, but people were like, "This is just awesome." And I'm like, "It's yeah. the, it's it is the same movie." Why are I we? Felt, I felt bored it? watching that one. Yeah, I, I didn't get to the end. But um, now, for me, the first Rocky is about uh, about as good a sports film as you can find. Truly, um, you know the other sports movie I like, kind of the same line of like uh, underdog story, but they they kind of kind of went in is is I don't care, but it's it Major League is so fun to me. Major League, the first one? Oh, it's just so funny. It's still funny. As a kid, I loved it. I love it still. I, I Every few, every few years, I, I always pop Major League in because I know it's an easy watch. I always can throw it on. And, I mean, it's just the story of the Cleveland Indians, and they're terrible. So they decide, why not just let like open tryouts and all these degenerates show up with 
you know, Wesley Snipes is Willie Mays Hayes, who, what the quote in the movie is, run, he can run like Hayes, but he hits like shit because he can't hit the ball. And, but he can run faster than anyone else. So it's just a whole bunch of people who are good at one thing who aren't really good at baseball. And you have Charlie Sheen as the wild thing who can throw like this really, really fast, fast pitch, but can't throw a curveball, can't throw a spitball, can't do anything. He's also like an ex-convict. and can't. So it's just the whole story of the, of the Indians getting up. And of course, and they don't, I like it because they don't win the World Series. They win their division in the end. Like that's their goal is just to be decent and just like that's that's as far as it that's the goal is hey if we're gonna win and get into the playoffs this yeah. is the amount of wins we have to get and then they it was know, an old comedy from the 90s and it is i haven't seen it probably since the 90s but i i doubt the humor holds up though. oh it's it's still good there's still i mean don't get me wrong there's some parts that don't hold up but i i, I probably just watched it maybe a year or two ago i think it's still funny i mean don't get me wrong there's parts that i mean any most humor from the 90s doesn't hold up in 2019, but, uh, I mean, the fact that they're a female owner who's attractive, that's how they get to win, is they, they set up, like, a cardboard cutout of her, and the manager goes, every win you guys get, we pull off a piece, and it's making her more and more naked as they win. They pull off pieces of her clothes on this cardboard cutout, so, they, yeah, that doesn't hold up. But, uh, it's, it's still good. I mean, yeah. Tom Behringer uh, has a great the great storyline of the old catcher whose knees are beat up and broken, and this is his last chance. Then he has the big ending where you know he he tries to steal third to home, and he can barely run, and his knees are all given out. It's like that's good. It's a good. It's a good moment. But it's funny still. I'm you know? surprised to hear that come up on anybody's top list. Oh, I know. I'm not. I know a lot of people love Major League. Oh, really? Yeah, I w- I would think so. And they made what? Three of them movies? I know they made two for sure. I think there was a third second one. second one was a rough go. third one, I think, went straight to video or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why I didn't see it. But, um, no, I mean, it's a comedy sports movie, but I mean, there's a lot of other ones that are like, too. I mean, Rocky's a great pick because it's so legendary and such. And then the other one, just because of my personal bias, but uh, I still love The Wrestler because it's a great story of Mickey Rourke being old, beaten down, uh, at one time, celebrity. And now he's not anymore. And that's a good story of just that life. Of, at one time I was a thing and now I'm not. We had this conversation off, off microphone about old wrestlers and what they do now. And that's a pretty, for, yeah, it's that, a pretty true story. It's, of it's, what a very honest, do. it's a very honest look at that kind of character. Um, I, f- I felt it was more of a downer of a movie, a kind of a depressing movie. It, it is. Not very uplifting or inspiring. It I, is not. Which I don't enjoy. I don't, yeah. I, I think I've talked about that quite a bit, that yeah. I don't like movies that are, that are downers that make me sad, you know. Um, when it comes to sports, I like a, a good inspirational story, one that makes you want to get up and clap, you know. Sure, but not everything, not everything in sports is an inspirational story. A lot no. of guys have troubles with whatever happens when you get famous with money, drugs, Right, and that's so, that's kind of what the wrestler was. But yeah, for me, so it, it totally was. And I, I, it's and it's really, really good. I mean, you don't even have to understand wrestling, which is why I liked it. Um, to get the point of the story is, hey, this guy was once famous and now he's not, and he's having to wrestle in these small shows. And how does he get from, you know, how does he survive, which he barely does, and makes a couple hundred dollars and spends it on. Well, yeah, that's drugs. that's what goes on with a lot of these guys in it's real crazy. life. It's you know, once they. Once they 
are past their peak physical condition. They, a lot of them haven't really prepared for the future. It's crazy. They make their living off their physique, and once they don't have the physique anymore, and they're getting a little older and can't do the moves as well as they used to do, and they stop being famous, they stop being on television, so now they try to cash in on their name of what they once were and stuff like that. So It's amazing how, I understand the money part and how a lot of guys blow their money and, you know, don't, but at some point you have to know, and again, I'm not famous, but that you're not going to be famous. I mean, unless you're, well, unless you're legendary. I mean, there's certain people that are going to be famous forever. The smart ones do look to the future. I mean, it, it's not just in wrestling, it's other sports it's too. You know, if you're a basketball player, you know, you might not get to play basketball forever. You got to start thinking about, am I going to become a commentator or a team owner? Or what am I going to do next? You know, or am I going to do anything even outside of basketball? Right. Am I just going to be an insurance salesman because I have the money and can do it? It's just, I, I, that's the part that always gets me is the, you know, it's, you, this doesn't last forever. Right. I don't know how that, but when some of it's the mindset doesn't ever hit them. It seems that way. It's crazy. You got to look at the future, and they should see what's happening to people around them too. That's the other thing. It's how far deep are we into sports now? That do you really need to look at? You know, I don't know. What even is a good example? Ryan Leaf from the NFL to oh, to, to know that he hit rock bottom. Yeah, it's Have like you heard he, his story. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he. He, he had the, you know, or Christian Leitner's the other one from in basketball when he had the big Duke shot and then he went to the NBA. And I mean, granted, he went down, but now I think he's a coach in the NBA now. Um, but I don't know what team. Leitner's doing, but I heard that uh, Ryan Leaf was, he, it's rough he, to go. he went to jail for, he, he was getting big into drugs and he robbed a place. and Yeah, it's not good. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, but no, good sports movies. And for me, not being a guy who likes sports movies that much. Um, all right, Histor- uh, like historical fiction, just because that's a pretty big category. I, I could have I figured that's different than biopic. So, give me yours first, because I want to get an example of what you're what you're it, thinking of when you say historical. Fiction. It, I mean, it's 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 a movie that's set in pretty much not the current climate that you're sitting in. That is just not a true story, which happens all the time. Well, I, 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 go ahead. Unless I made it difficult, which is fine. Um, like mine is Inglorious Bastards. Is that the easy one? I, I said Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, of course. I was going to say that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Tarantino. You know, I talked earlier. I love Tarantino. Anything he does, I'm going to love it. So. Yeah, me too. And this is, I, and to me, this is the movie I love. This is my favorite one. I, I just, That's your favorite Tarantino? It, it is. I don't know. There's just something about More it. than Pulp Fiction. Yeah. More than Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. More than Kill Bill. Yeah, definitely more than Kill Bill. Okay. Yeah, I, I there's just something about it, and I understand that feeling of the vintage Tarantino. It's like anything, you know. If like say you're a James Cameron fan, say for some reason James Cameron's your favorite director, and somebody tells you that like Avatar is their favorite James Cameron movie, and you're like, really, more than this, more than this, yeah. and then I get it, and I, I usually am that person. Like I do it in wrestling all the time. Um, but I, man, I, when I when I saw it in the theater, I. I mean, even in the first 25 minutes, I was pretty much hook, line, and sinker in the rest of the movie. Um, I mean, just the with Christoph Waltz's character pretty much decimating verbally this gentleman who he believes is hiding Jews. For 20 minutes, oh, like 15, 20 that minutes. Is, that is a really uh, a tense sequence. It's so tense. Yeah. And Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, Christoph Waltz is like the Nazi, yeah, uh, one of the higher ups. He comes in to this guy's home and he seems very gentlemanly. He says, "Can I come inside? Can I talk to you?" And they sit there, they have this conversation, and you know it's leading towards something, right? And and about like sixty percent of the way through, they they pan down and they yeah. show you the people under the floorboard. It's like scared, right? right. And now you're now you're even more tense. You're like. Oh, it's going to happen. And then finally, like, Christoph Waltz, like, at the end just tells him, he's like, so where are they? Point to them. Like, super, t- doesn't stop the conversation. He just tells him, he's like, we know. If you don't want to die, you're just going to say where they are. on the floor. And it's about 20 minutes. And, yeah. I, and I was like, all it's right, a, It's I'm a ready. long sequence, but it's, Tarantino, he, he likes to take his time. And he that's, likes, he loves his dialogue. Um, that is a terrific sequence. Great opening to that movie. Yeah. Well, then, um, then he has a whole other one midway through with Fassbender uh, in the bar. Where they're playing cards. Yeah, or, it's the or, same. Or they're playing, um, not cards, they're playing a game where they write down what celebrity they are and they hold it to, hold it to their head. That, that sequence I was going to bring up because I was going to say Tarantino, he likes to take his time, but in this movie, I think uh, he takes a little too much time no, in that particular sequence. I love it. The scene in the bar, I think, went a little long. Um, I think this movie was for me, the one where Tarantino really started to show that as much as he loves to take his time, it, it's good to have an editor that tells him to reel it back in sometimes really? just a little bit. And, um, I think at this point in his career, he was kind of a big star. And I'm sure nobody could tell him no. Right. And I think it's good sometimes to have somebody to tell you, Hey, Reel it back in, but you know he's the great Tarantino, so he's going to tell right, him. Who's no. going to tell him that? So this and, movie, this movie does go, does drag a little bit in some parts. That opening sequence is amazing, but this yeah. film, I I still love the film, and it's still I, as somebody who's not usually big into war films, probably my favorite war film too. Okay. Well, this or Saving Private Ryan. I guess that could have been a whole other category. Was yeah. war. Um, and Saving Private Ryan. I love Platoon. If you're going into war films, I love Platoon. It is. Crazy. Tom Berenger, I hate him so much. I love it when I have a villain in a movie where I can actually feel hate through the screen. And I feel hate in that movie for like how for what he does. What Platoon's good. But yeah, no, and Glor- like Bastards was that movie. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because Brad Pitt was in it too. Um, oh, Brad Pitt's character was great. <laughs> it's hilarious. And the, the bastards themselves are just such a random group of funny, ridiculous people. Um it's just so. I mean, you know, Eli Roth's one of the bastards, and then uh, B.J. Novak from The Office is in it, and he has kind of a big part at the end, even though he doesn't really say any words throughout the entire movie. And they kind of joke about that—that that he's like the one that's still with him, even though he's not really that important to the group, as important as some of the other guys were. Um, yeah, no, it's good, and you know, it's, it was Christoph Waltz's big coming out party because uh, everybody loves a good bad guy. And he was a good bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it was great. I, I, I can anything to talk in glorious bastards make me happy. So, all right, so we got a few left here. Um, this one's another huge category. Um, like dramas, indie is like favorite independent movies. I mean, I could have a huge list, so I just chose something that was pretty current. But if you want to go first on this one, I can let you. I think this qualifies as an indie whiplash. Yeah, totally. Um, it's a film, when I, when I tell you what it's about, you, Good it, pick. it's, it's going to sound boring when I describe the premise, but it's actually one of my all time favorite films. So it's basically about a, a young boy who's, he wants to play in 
a jazz band. He wants to play drums. And it's basically about his relationship with his teacher. And his teacher is very strict. And um, it's just it's just such a such a well-written film that uh, that premise, which might not sound that exciting, is made just incredibly, incredibly exciting. It's a lot of good drama and uh, I think a good message too. It's one of my one of my personal favorite films of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, well, and, and I like I like Miles Teller a lot. The, the kid who plays the drummer and J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons is plays the, the teacher. Is the teacher. He's so good. It, it is, and it's and it's like that, and it hits that fine line, which is good. Of you know, we've all seen this story of the you know intense teacher coach, whatever you want to say. Um, but is he? But he never crosses the line. He gets right there. Depending on who you are, there's a lot of people that probably watch this and think, "Oh my gosh, could you imagine?" You know. But he never does. Like, if you really look at it, and that's in bolts to me, he never, like, he's right there. He's like, this guy should be in jail for, like, being the cur-. But he never gets that far. Because yeah, he really wants He's him. so hard on the students. Um, but he wants him to be good. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It, it's sort of about, it's sort of a film about what it takes to really be the best at something. You know, if you really want to be the best, this is what you go through. There's a great scene in this film where uh, the teacher played by J.K. Simmons, he tells this story, um, and I can't remember the names of the musicians he's talking yeah. about. They're real musicians. Right. He's telling the true story um, about how the one guy took uh, took a, uh, a symbol or something, right? Wasn't it a symbol? And he, and he, and he threw it, threw at, it yeah. at the guy while he was performing on stage because he, he thought the guy was so bad. And he basically says, you know, if he had gone up to him and just said, you know, hey, you know, you tried, you did, you know, you tried your best or whatever, he, he wouldn't have gone on to greatness. Right. But because this guy threw a symbol at him, he went home, he felt shame and he worked on his craft and he got so good. Now he's one of the, he's one of the most famous drummers in the world. I, I wish I could remember his name. Yeah, right. I don't, it's, it's really not a scene I'm familiar with. So sure. it's, but it, it's a famous, it's a famous musician. Uh, it's a true story that he tells. So he's basically telling the story to justify why he is so hard on these students. And, um, I mean, he pushes Miles Teller in this film to the point that Miles Teller is, is at home. He's practicing the drums so much that his hands are bleeding. And he's putting his hands in a bucket of ice to numb the pain so he can keep practicing. You know, that's how intense this film is. Yeah. It's, it's really something. Yeah, and I think the ending point, because you get your moment of Miles Teller finally proving himself. And I think that that was done really well, too, of just how he proved himself to J.K. Simmons. So if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But, uh, yeah, it's good. And it, it was written it's by so a guy. I think the reason why it's so well written is written by a guy who was was in the jazz band. Who, oh, really? Who did okay, that cool. kind of thing, yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense that he... So it's, a, it's a, like a personal story to him. Sure. Yeah, well, and, you know, it has that feeling, too. You know, we, we, we as a society, they don't usually probably have very many teachers or coaches that push kids like this. But, you know... Or even adults, you know, if you respect enough of, it doesn't matter, your peer, your boss or something, letting them down doesn't feel good. So if, it, if, if you can push yourself to do a good job and not let someone down, doesn't matter who it is in your life, then that's probably a good thing, I guess, no matter how you get there. But it's good. That's kind of what the, that's kind of the question that this film raises is, 
um, is becoming great worth worth that. worth this kind of this level of punishment right um, there's people that'll say no and then there's people that understand that this is what it, if yeah. you want to be great if you want to be the best at something right truly great um, you know this is what it takes right. this is the level of discipline this is the level of of commitment sure. involved sure so yeah I, I was it, just to kind of go with this I was just watching an interview with Gordon Ramsay not long ago and I, I think he's interesting you know, a lot of people think it's kind of a front for television, which I'm sure it partially is. He's this chef that yells at people and swears. And it was his interview talking about, well, who was his people? Like, who taught him? And he said, if you think I'm bad and that I scream, and he, he said, like, two or three chefs, he's like, you should, he's like, if those cameras were around when I was young and this, he wouldn't have job. He's like, you should have seen the stuff that he would do. And he wouldn't even say the stories. He's like, I'm not going to say it. He's like, but no way am I worse than him. And he's like, but it pushed me. And now look at me. I'm one of the greatest chefs in the world. And it's like, you yeah. know, if, if. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay, I, I don't really follow him too close, but he's that one that's famous for kind of yelling. For, for yelling. That's like his fame. But then you watch the show, and it's not like he's a guy who's a host that put on a chef jacket. The guy's a four star, world renowned chef in real life. And he and he's holding these these students up to a very to high, a standard. high standard. Exactly. So. And that, and then, you know, I, again, I don't follow him a lot and this is just coincidence that we're talking about something similar, but uh, you know, he talked on this interview about a couple of chefs that he trained and that he, he said he berated and yelled at and swore and, you know, told them they were nothing. And now they're, you know, running a business downtown New York city or they're in like China. And he's like, you don't get bigger. He's like, if you want to be a chef, this is what you do. You And so, so and if he, if he had said to them, you know, Hey, you know, good job. Good job. Good, nice try. You're not going to get there. They might. I'm not saying that that doesn't work. And in certain situations, it probably does depending on who you are. But this is just a case of this could work or this can work. And that's the question that this film whiplash really, yeah. really does a great job. Yeah, great, great pick. But that's just a great movie. Um, my indie movie, just and it is newer, and I've talked about it before on here, but I, I can't, I cannot say it because I love it. It is part sci-fi, but it is Ex Machina, which is my a movie that I fell in love with in the theater when I watched it, and I really just fall head over and heels in love with the movie, especially now. Um, but I still, to this day, I you know I probably, I probably watch it once a year, so I've probably seen it five, six times. And it still is a movie I think about, and I go back to all the time. And it's and it's just a three-piece uh, movie of this uh, Dom Hall Gleason who gets um, pretty much picked out of his company to fly to this millionaire's mansion that's hidden in the forest to be a part of an experiment for seven days. And it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And once he gets there and meets the, the millionaire played by Oscar Isaac, he realizes that there's an AI female and pretty much his whole thing is to figure out if this is a real human with real emotions or if it's a robot. But you know it's a robot. Well, he, he knows it's a robot. And, but but he, needs to, he needs to tell in that seven days that no, it has the emotion, the mentality of a human being. And if he doesn't, Oscar Isaac's going to destroy the robot and create a new one. That's, that's pretty much the jest. And that's the experiment. And then he realizes that you know, he has to spend every single day, at least a point, point of his day, with this robot, placed by Alicia Vikander, who is a very attractive robot, which is crazy. Um, if you like, if you like that visible, visible attraction, which is what well, he, if you like visible uh, computer computer components. in the head. Um, <laughs> but you know, he even learns that uh, you know, 
it's even though it's an experiment, he wasn't chosen at random. Nothing about this is random. It's all controlled. And I think there's the part even in it where he's, you know, three or four days in and he's starting to feel feelings for her. He kind of realizes that Oscar Isaac's kind of a kooky, crazy man who lives in the middle of nowhere with all these AI bots he creates. Even to the point where he realizes that the girl was intentionally made to look like his, uh, like, search history on his computer. And it was all manipulation. And it's all manipulation. And then it's... Yeah, you start to question who, who you know, who's who's the one he should be trusting more. Yeah, is it Oscar Isaac or is this this AI robot? Right. That and they both it's have very good, very it, good story. It is, and I'm sure you weren't bothered by the fact Oscar Isaac was actually. You know, so this came out in 2015, and this is and again, at some point your love has to start somewhere, and this was it. Like, I didn't love Oscar Isaac before this. I barely knew who he was. I mean, he wasn't. I don't think I'd seen him anything before this. Uh, I'm trying to think if Inside Lewin Davis came out before or after this. It might have been after. I didn't see that. Um, and that's another small um, Coen Brothers movie that he's in. I mean, I think I watched that because of Ex Mach. And I think the only thing I knew Oscar Isaac in before this was the opening of Quantum of Solace, or was it Casino Royale? You know how every James Bond says the opening that's a little different? He's the villain in the beginning. And he died, but he gets killed in like the first 15 oh. minutes. Yeah, I think it's quantum. I could be wrong. So that's, I, that's the only reason why I knew him. So, yeah, this is the movie that made me fall in love with the guy. I'm like, this is awesome. He's great in it. And then the ending's, I think, pretty good. I think it totally it works. And of the last decade, it's still probably the best movie I've seen. It's a small little three-piece stuck in a stuck in a building movie, which is good. So. Yeah, it's good. I, I like movies that have um, just very few actors in like one location when they have a kind of a simple, a simple setup like that. Yep. They, they're, they're very charming. I find. So yeah, I agree. I love when you can take two, three actors, put it in one room and, and tell an interesting story with that. Totally. And yeah, it's a good example of that. Thank you. Um, okay. couple left, two left. Uh, we'll go to animated. I had to go Incredibles. Incredibles. Okay. Love it. I mean, it's just fun. Cause it, it, kind of pokes fun at the superhero genre and there's a lot of good humor in it and i like both um both the first one and the second one i had a lot of fun with those sure for me yeah <laughs> it's about as good as an animated film gets yeah. it's incredible hey yeah, i love them people love it um i put two because i feel like i it's animated so there's obviously movies i loved when i was a kid um i'm sure you had animated movies you liked as a kid that maybe as an adult doesn't really matter because you're an adult now but mine as a kid was Fox and the Hound. Okay. Did you ever watch that? I'm not sure I did. Man, that's a sad one. That's that's a sad, sad movie. It's so great, but so sad at the same time. Even as a kid, I was like, this is just the saddest, but I love it because they're friends. But it, yeah, it's that quick story of the fox and the hound, and the fox is a wild creature, the hound is a hound dog, and they become friends, and eventually the hound dog grows up, and the fox has to leave the den near the house, and... They, they're friends, and then they get split apart, and then they want to become friends again, but they can't because they're in two different worlds now. And that's kind of the message, is you can be friends with someone without having to see them every day, or, you know, going years and years, to, you know, apart, and then seeing each other again. And uh, it's it's still sad. But the, the newer one, I thought, to say, was Inside Out, um, the Pixar movie for about three or four years ago. Did you see that? I heard it was really good. It is. Get, get it is that. spectacular. It is the... It's the story of the emotions inside the little girl's head. I think she's 12 or 13. And 
they just, you know, it's like mad sadness, joy, and all these different things, and they kind of control what her brain's like and why a teenage girl is the way she is. And there's just so much going on. Joy and uh, sadness end up getting uh, taken to a different part of the brain where there's these marbles that they lose and they have to get back to her. Get it? Don't lose your marbles. Which oh, is, I got it. That's clever. And and then, like, they, they go through, like, the point of the brain of a kid. And, you know, there's the great part where they meet Bing Bong, which was her, uh, the girl's uh, imaginary friend. But the imaginary friend's in a different part of the brain now because the girl doesn't think about the imaginary friend anymore. And then there's the real part where the girl is in her... There's a great part where they sit at the dinner table. And this whole time, you've only been in the little girl's mind, you know? And she's being really mean and because Joy's gone now. So, like, repulsion is still there and... Uh, Louis Black is anger, so and he takes over all the time, you know, and and so he yells at the mom, and then it goes into the mom's head, which you're unprepared for, and then they are like, how are we going to get her? And then they go to the dad's head. All the people in the dad's head aren't even paying attention, which is hilarious. They're like, oh, we got to pay attention, we got to pay attention, and the dad's like floating in the distance, even though the mom and daughter. It, it's it's really funny. Again, a movie I just rewatched like a couple days ago. Super cute. It, even for adults, it's one of them Pixar movies, like Incredibles, that you could literally go out and rent without without kids. You can you can watch it. It's funny. Um, I, I when I watched it uh, in the theater, I I was openly laughing out loud. I'm like, this is this is good stuff. So yeah, that's the animated movie recently that I just I think Pixar just knocked it out of the park with that one. I thought it was great. So all right. Last one that we threw in towards the end. This wasn't on our original list, but we figured was the, maybe the big genre we missed was horror. And I think horror is an easy one to probably pick a few from. So if you have, uh, what's the horror movie that stands out? Well, I love the Saw franchise. I know. Oh yeah, I think we had this discussion in the first episode. Yeah, didn't we about it. A lot of I, people are pretty divided. On I'm that not. One, I I agree with you on it. Yeah. I agree with the first three. Yeah, I oh yeah, I'll give you that. The first three were it was a pretty solid trilogy, and they they kept milking it, of course. Right, and um, you, you know why you watched it. You kind of it's the same thing as Final Destination. You know why oh, you watched Saw. Yeah, and, and like even in the the four through what seven saws, the twists were even stupid. You're like, I don't care. Just watch me take someone's hand and put it on a blade, and they cut all the way down. What's that five? They cut all the way down their like forearm to uh, to get the blood out. That's brutal. Yeah, there's a lot of graphic violence in them, but there's also a story that drives it, sure. which I I think is what makes Saw uh, stand out for me. A lot of slasher films or horror films have a very thin, weak premise, sure. which I'm fine with, too. I mean, I don't need a, a strong motivation for Jason or Freddy Krueger. I'm, I'm on board. If I'm watching, uh, the movie Jason's off. mom was killed, and he came out of a lake. Right. Well, <laughs> for eight, no, eleven or no, twelve movies. Right. <laughs> and ends up in space. And, uh, uh, that space, I don't care what anybody says. Jason X is great. They're yeah, they're fun. It's <laughs> so fun. They're fun films, and I, like I said, I don't normally need a, a real deep premise to um, enjoy a horror film. Just a, a cool villain or whatever. Is good enough, but with Saw, you get both. You get the, the cool villain and uh, a story that drives the whole thing, which I think is, is pretty cool. And I think that's where Saw 3, and this one, I mean, you totally agree on this, and that's where Saw 3, I think, is really good. 
you know, the first one sets up this villain, gives you the big twist. You didn't know what you were expecting in the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one goes broader. Puts all yeah, the, the first one's a little more traditional in the, in the horror sense. Sure. You know, you, who's the killer? You don't know. And then at the end, you find out. And you go, oh, my goodness, what a great twist. What a great twist. But then they start diving into right. this character more. Yeah. And, yeah, the second one, the, the third one, for sure. Yeah, I think the third one with the fact that of the girl that he saved and the first, you know, the one girl that, that made it through his game and the mm-hmm. first one comes and is a major part of why it totally makes sense. And and the way they interconnect it isn't too bad. I'm like where they kind of get a little worse when it's like five, six, four, five, six. Um, but I thought it was totally awesome. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's a killer that's doing it for a reason. Yeah. With It's horrible what he's doing. But he's not like he's picking people off the street just because he's picking people because they're he's trying to stop their addictions or stop their they're, they're all people that he feels are wasting their lives right and he's a little frustrated by the fact that he himself is dying he would like to live right um, but these are people who have their life and he feels they're wasting it so he's putting them in these situations where it's like the movie's tagline says live or die make your choice right. It, he wants to see how motivated they are to really continue with their lives. Sure, they can. You can always get out of the trap, but usually just requires some sort of sacrifice. Sure, and that's a great part about. And you know, it's the storyline of the third one is all of his stuff is able to be done if you do it. Like, like you said, that's the tagline. Um, where you know, there's a part where that you know some people wouldn't think so. Yeah, I think in the third one, that one cop gets killed because a rib cage gets ripped out. And I remember even in the movie, I was like. You couldn't get out of that. I'm like, there's but just they explain they that. Explain why, and then that's where it really hits you. Like, oh, okay. He didn't he, do that. Chad. He, he's he is giving you a choice, no matter which ones you're looking at. Sure, are the, some choices harder than others? Yeah, but at least it's you have the option. That's the reason why it was really good. I thought in the first one to have the girl right away get out. Like she was able to get out of that mm-hmm. one. You know, she just had to have the willpower to do it. But I think that's good. It's a good choice. Yeah. The songs are good. You know, the other one that I, I think, again, I think me and you had this side tangent of the first episodes. We're just kept catching up. But the first, uh, the other horror movie I do love was The Descent in, like, 2005. Yeah. It, it's, it has a lot there. Again, a little thin story. Um, but, it, you know, of the, the six ladies who are all, uh, what, cave? I don't even know what the term is. But they... Spelunkers. Spelunkers, is that the name of it? I don't know. I think so. Okay. Um, but, they, you know, they're cave divers and... Uh, you know, they're out in the middle of the wilderness. They're hanging out. You meet, you get to meet them all a little bit and see who they are. They're kind of drinking and having fun. Then they go to a cave. And you realize one of the ladies actually chose a cave that wasn't on the map. So they're in a cave that five of them don't know what cave they're in. So say something happens, um, nobody's going to find you. And that was kind of the point of what this lady's idea was. Of course something's going to happen. Why wouldn't it? But you have a fear already before you go into this cave. You are ca- in a cave. You are claustrophobic. I mean, the first half hour, nothing happens. It's you thinking it's going to happen. Like when? When is when is something? When is like it going to be too tight for them to get through? When is the rocks going to fall that they can't go back? Um, and all those things. And then uh, once one of the girls gets injured, I think she breaks her leg or something. You start to learn that there's obviously way more in this cave than just uh, just being stuck. That there's these like weird creatures that are like albino because they haven't seen the light and they're blind pretty much and they just feel sound and heat motions and stuff. 
that turns into a great scene where the one the main girl falls. She has the camera on her. And she's just sitting in the uh, uh, infrared, and it's just like right at her face, and she just has to sit there in the dark while she's looking through the camera at it. I think it's good stuff. I'm not a fan of the trick ending. I think that's a little gross. But other than that, I think it's it totally gets what you want. And there's the I actually like the ending. I remember how it ended. Did you? Um, I, I'm okay on it. I, it doesn't affect the, how much I enjoy the rest of the movie, though. <laughs> like it's one of them endings that I don't know. It's fine, but it's, it doesn't affect how much I like the rest of it. Um, I remember they sold this movie. Uh, do you remember like the selling of this movie? Like how you know there's that part where she falls into the blood, the pool of blood. And like she raised on that's like on the box cover, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And she's soaked in this like disgusting, bubbly blood. It, it literally was that picture on everything goriest movie ever made, but it's not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, is it just because she fell into a big puddle and she comes up and looks disgusting? I'm like, there's like four other parts that are kind of gory, but again, it's in a cave in the dark. You don't even see half of it. Well, every movie tries to advertise itself as being the the Funny. best or the most of something. Of course. No film is going to come out with a poster that goes kind of. somewhat gory. <laughs> yeah. Here and there, blood. <laughs> it, it just Or just one, one gory sequence. Right. <laughs> That's it. Um, but I was, it was one of the movies that I remember when I, I, I saw it in theater and I loved it, that I was not expecting a lot of people to get behind. And if, over the years, it's like one of the movies that have always stayed there. Like when people bring up horror movies outside of the big franchises, I always like the descent kind of gets thrown in. I'm like, that's pretty good for a, a kind of a random, just hey, we're gonna do a cave movie that you've kind of seen before, but it's good. That's that's always my horror pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can always go Freddy and Jason, big Friday the Thirteenth fan. I like the franchise, even though some of the movies are really, really bad. Yeah, but it's fun. Didn't they do a sequel to the Descent? I did not see it because I heard that it was like bad, bad. Was it the same creative team? I don't think so. No, it was straight to DVD, if I'm right. Um, That's why I also didn't watch it. But I heard it was atrociously bad. Um, So I didn't watch it because I love the first one too much. I don't want to hurt. I've always been interested. I've always thought about it. Maybe I should just do it. But I don't want to. Um, I think that's it. Do you have any other random genres that we need to bring up? No, I think we... I think we covered them all. We covered them all. You know, hopefully there's some on these... Our lists here that you haven't seen, and uh, you should definitely check those out. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen any of them, some of the bigger name ones, some, you know, again, people have blind spots, you know. There's sometimes there's big movies that you just haven't seen. It just mm-hmm. happens. I mean, I, I I know it's horrible to say, I didn't watch Shawshank for the first time until about three years ago. Oh, really? It was just a movie I'd never seen. It just, it just hit that part. I don't remember where I first saw it, yeah. but I saw it a long time ago. Probably back shortly after it came out. Sure. I don't think I saw it in the theater necessarily, but maybe on video when it came out on video sure. or something like that. But I always loved it, and to this day, I I don't think too many films have come close. I think it's just a really solid film. It is. Um, just great characters, great story, and leaves you with a, a great message. And I think on the, when they did that big, it's still referenced that AFI Top 500 movies, is that number one? It's top it's, five. It's probably up there. It's yeah. for sure top five. I know a lot of times they like to throw The Godfather as number one. Or sure, sure. But it's still top five. That's still pretty good. Shawshank is, is up there usually on most, yeah. most top lists. I think it might be number one on IMDb. 
Maybe. Yeah, I know it has like a really huge ranking on one of the big, big main lists that people always go to. It deserves it. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't disagree. All right, so that's it. We will be back next week. Thank you for uh, listening a little late on this episode um, with. I think a review of us. Yeah, the new Jordan the new Peele. Jordan Peele and the Dirt, the new uh, yep. biopic on Netflix, and then whatever else we feel like talking about. Mm-hmm. So that sounds good. Yeah, thanks for listening. Listen to me, honey, dear. Something's wrong with you, I fear. It's getting hard to please you every year. I don't want to make you blue. But you need a talking to Like a lot of people I know Is what's wrong with you